Father, we do give thanks to you for all the good things that you give us. Our lives are full and blessed um, just because of the good things you've given us. And as we just sang, even when our hearts are heavy, we can still sing with joy because um, you are the king and you are good. And so we, we just give thanks for all things. And Lord, as we come to your word, we pray that um, whatever you have for us to receive, that we would have open ears to hear it and that we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers of it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you have your Bible, we are going to be in the Gospel of Luke in the first chapter. Uh, if you want to turn there or if you want to get there on your phone. Um, just before I do that, I, got, I had something sent to me by Christy Wright. Christy's not here this morning. Um, she would enjoy this. But Christy Wright sent this to me. Uh, this is don't be embarrassed to wear a mask in public because some people wear Broncos jerseys. So, I mean, if you wear, if some people wear a Broncos jersey in public, then mask is nothing, right? So that was pretty cute. But, and I appreciate it. I got a good laugh out of it. But I did get a little concerned when I noticed at the bottom that one of the people that liked that was my wife. <laughs> so, just had to point that out. Appreciate Christy and her friendship. Um, we are continuing our series in the boiler room, um, our emphasis on prayer, um, and just am constantly reminded of the necessity. Archbishop Tate, I read this week, wrote, said, I want a life of greater, deeper, truer prayer. And that's our desire um, as a body. That's my desire. I just want a life of greater, deeper, truer prayer. And that's, that's what I'm trying to call us all to is that prayer would become more important part of our life. And the scripture that's been the theme through all this is Ephesians 6.18, which I'm going to come back to later, where we are told to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, always keeping, keep on praying for all the Lord's people. The last two weeks we spent in Matthew 7, verses 7 to 11, and we looked at Jesus' Talk, telling us to bring our prayers to Him, to bring Him our requests, to ask, to seek, and to knock, because He longs to answer those things. And so we talked some about asking prayer, seeking prayer, and knocking prayer, because I think there are three different kinds of prayers. And, and we also talked about last week the four answers that God gives to our prayers, because the question people ask many times is, does God even answer all my prayers? It feels like He doesn't answer some of them. And as we we talked last week through the Bible, we see God does answer all of our prayers. His four answers are yes, no, wait, or more, right? And specifically, um, Sammy loved that last one. If we did them in the words that, that sound the same, it would be the first one was a what? Was go, and then no, slow, and mo. Um, and if you want to know what all those mean, especially the mo, you can go back and listen to that. Um, but the thing that we talked about is, even in all of that, that Jesus says that God is a good father, and that God gives, what kind of gifts does He give to His children? Do you remember? Good gifts. And He says, even you, though you're evil, you know, though we've got that sin nature, that even somebody who with a sin nature, who's a good father, gives good gifts. And parents know how to give good gifts, but even much more will God. And so, how that God, um, that in everything, that He just doesn't give us what we ask for. 
He'll say yes, he'll say no, he'll say wait, or he'll say slow, he'll say mo, I've got mo. It just all depends on his knowledge, and so we need to trust in him. Um, so during last week when I was preaching, one of you actually texted me during the sermon. I felt it buzz in my pocket and then uh, saw it afterward, and it was really funny. And what they texted me is they said, you know, there's a fifth thing you should add to that, that rhyme, um, the go, no, slow, mo. And it, I, I really enjoyed it, so I thought, well, it, it was worth bringing up. It isn't an answer that God gives. It's, it's a word that rhymes with those that's more my response half the time to prayer. Um, that after, many times after I realized that his no or his slow truly was best for me, after a time of mistrust, grumbling, and complaining, realizing that he being a good father truly did what was best for me, and I shouldn't have had the attitude I do, that frequently my response to God is, dope, <laughs> right? <laughs> what was I thinking? So, the person that said, sent that is still here, so thank, is here this morning, so thank you for that. But how many times do I, afterwards, and I realize God really did do the best thing, I'm like, you know, oh, doe is my, like, what was I thinking? I should have been trusting him all along. Um, they even sent an example, which is one of my favorite prayer stories, of a fellow who was in a flood stuck on his rooftop, I imagine down in Texas, I don't know why I imagine that, but um, I do, praying to God for help. And so a guy came up in a rowboat and said, hey, hop in, I can get you off that rooftop into safety. And the guy says, no, no, don't, you, that's okay, thanks, but uh, I'm trusting God to save me, he'll take care of me. And so the guy said, okay, and he left. And then sooner after that, a, a guy in a motorboat came up and he said, hey, jump in, I see the water's getting high, we don't want you to drown. And the guy says, no, I'm, I'm in prayer, talking to God, God will take care of it, he'll save me, I'm, I'm fully trusting him. And so the guy went on. And then the then a guy in a helicopter came, and he dropped down a ladder, and he called out, and he says, come on up, get on, we'll rescue you, save you from the flood, and the guy says, no, I'm trusting God, he'll save me, uh, he'll take care of it, and so the helicopter went on. Eventually, the flood rose above the rooftop, and the man drowned and went to heaven. Have you guys heard this story? It's pretty good. Went to heaven. And he finally got his chance to discuss the whole situation with God, at which point he exclaimed, I want you to know I trusted you to give me an answer, but you didn't save me and you let me drown. I don't understand what's up with that. To which God said, well, I sent a rowboat, and then I sent a motorboat, and then I sent a helicopter, and you didn't respond to any of those, and so that's all on you. To which the guy said, oh, right? Okay, so, um, but those are God's answers to our prayer, is that... He'll say go, he'll say no, he'll say slow, or he'll say mo, which I have more for you than you can imagine. Um, so, someone from Emporia, I mean, somebody who's out of Emporia, who actually watches online every week, and by the way, for the guys that are back there, he watches, I mean, live, and he said to give you guys thanks, uh, talked on the phone this week, and he said, I've got a question about that sermon, and he said, um, he said, if there's no answer, like, how do I know if it's a no or a slow? How do I know if I'm not getting an answer, if nothing's happening? And I said, well, that's a really good question, and I think that a lot myself. It's like, nothing's happening, and you're like, is this a no, or is this a wait? And there's really no way to know. There have been times in my life, very few, but there have been times where I felt like God communicated me in some form that it was a wait, that the thing would come, but I had to bide my time. But a lot of times, we just don't know. And I think most of the time, 
And that's where I think faith and walking with God comes in, is that a lot of times you don't know if it's a no or if it's a slow. You don't know if it's a no or a wait, but you just walk with Him, trusting in Him, knowing again that He is a good Father and He will do the right thing. Um, Frequently with my children, if they asked for something and I wasn't going to give it to them or it was going to be later and I didn't give them the answer they were asking for, frequently what I would say to them was, just trust me, okay, right, with a smile and a wink, just trust me. And I think that's the posture God wants us to have is even when I don't know what's happening and I'm like, is this a no, is this a slow, that we just trust Him on all of that. And so I want to look at a story in Luke 1 today of a couple who prayed very earnestly for many, many years and who never heard an answer, never heard an answer like us. And I want you to turn, so it's, in, it's Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 5. And it's the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah. And so here's, starting in verse time, verse 5, here's what it says. Um, and do you mind while I read the story? Can, can we stand together? So in Luke 1, and reading in verse, starting in verse 5. It says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old, very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So it was a time of prayer. I'll come to that in a minute. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, "'Do not be afraid.' Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will, not, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people who were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant for five months, remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and has taken away my disgrace among the people. Now skip down to verse 57. 
When it's time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he's to be called John. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. And then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all those thing these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, saying, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So let me give you just a little background about Zechariah um, and the job that he was doing. He was in the priestly uh, class, and the, their job in the group he was with was to, to do the offering of incense. Um, Exodus 30, number 16, talk about this. The altar of incense, here's a photo of it, was about three feet tall, 18 by 18, um, a special kind of wood overlaid in gold where they would burn incense twice a day in the morning and the evening in the temple. And when they would burn the incense at that time, the people would gather and would pray at that time. And I'll talk a minute about prayer. If you look at this picture, if, if this were the layout of the temple or the tabernacle, you had the altar, the bronze laver, which was in the courtyard where, um, where the, the people and the priests could be. And then there was the veil, only the priests could come into the holy place and you'll see the altar of incense was located right next to the veil, which was the most holy place where the high priest could only go once a year. So that's where it was located. And what they would do is they would bring coals twice a day from the altar into the altar of incense, and they would put the hot coals there, and they would put the incense on it. And then as the smoke of the incense and the fragrance arose, um, that's when there would just be this mass time of prayer among the people in the temple. Um, very interestingly about this is, I think this is from um, Josephus, um, that during this, this period in history, that's okay, you're good. Yeah, Colton's doing a great job. We're trying to figure out how to work this out without me to be able to control it. Um, during this time in history, there were probably 20,000 priests who could do this. And that meant from what he said, is that probably a priest only had a chance to do this once in their life, and it was chosen by lot. By lot, they would pick this group, family group, can, you know, this is your week, and then they would draw a lot who would get to do it. And so the odds are really, really high that this was the only time that Zechariah got to do this. We just don't know. It doesn't say that. But the odds are really high that, that he may never have had the chance to do that before this. But it was very closely related to prayer. Psalm 141, 2, David said, May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice, because this would happen, the incense giving would happen in the evening. And so um, that's what this service was. And what I want you to see about Zechariah and his life is I really feel like waiting, as I was reading this story, I think waiting was a theme of his life. Number one, as I said, He's probably been waiting his whole life to be able to do this. He's very old, and who knows, in his mind, he might be like, I may never get a shot at going into the temple and doing the incense. We just aren't sure. The text doesn't say that. But that very well could have been the case. 
But more importantly, he and his wife have been waiting for years for an answer to a prayer for a child. We know that they prayed about it because if you look at verse 12, I mean in verse 12 it says that, that your prayer has been heard. So they've been praying. The word for prayer there in the Greek is very interesting. Um, Deasis uh, de is the word, and it referred to a heartfelt petition arising out of a deep personal need. Um, it implied a very deep felt need that was very personal and urgent. So it's, it's a very deep, heartfelt kind of prayer. So he said, the Lord has heard your deep, heartfelt prayer for a child. It's the same word used in Romans 10.1 where Paul, talking about his desire to see the Jews come to know Jesus as Messiah, he says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire, my heart's desire and my prayer, my fervent heartfelt prayer, the same word that's used of Zechariah, to God is that they may be saved. In Ephesians 6.18, the verse, the scripture for this whole series, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests, and that word is that, deep heartfelt longings that you have. So they had prayed for a child. I mean, Pat and I were talking, I can imagine for years, for years, from the time she was first able to have a child, they had prayed. You know, if you've ever been childless and longing for a child, which in a minute I'll tell you a story of Pat and I, you pray daily for that thing. You may even pray more than daily. You may pray many times a day. But I think they had been praying for a long time to have a child. Um, had they ever stopped praying? I don't know. By the time she hit menopause and couldn't have children anymore, do you? I don't know. If it's me, it's like... Okay, we know the answer to that. It's a no, and we would stop praying. I don't know what they did. They may have continued to praying, but wouldn't you assume that they, their assumption had been by this time, because they're very old, that the answer to God's prayer was a no? Wouldn't you assume that that's what they had, that that's what, I would assume that that's what they thought. It's like the friend who asked me, the person online who asked me the question, if you're not hearing, how do you know if it's a no or a slow? And you just don't know. And this, this story to me is a really good example of that. Um, but I just wonder, and I just think in their mind, they had probably concluded that it was a no. So, he goes in, he gets the lot, he goes in this day to burn incense on the golden altar of incense. And this thing, that is a memorial to prayer. That's what it's all about. It's about incense offered and the prayers of God's people going up to God. And I can imagine that he, as he walks in, and he's going to do this, that is not only a memorial to the people's prayers, but is that also a memorial to him, a reminder of the prayer that never got answered? As he's coming in and they're going to do this and this represents prayer, isn't he probably thinking, yeah, and the biggest prayer we prayed our whole life, it never got answered. So this thing, I just can imagine when he's walking in, it had an emotional connection to him and a reminder of an unanswered prayer. But something really amazing happened, right? Um, in verse 11, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. And the angel told him that your prayer has been answered. And in verse 14, he says, you'll have a boy and he will be a joy and a delight to you. And verse 19, the angel says, what I'm speaking to you, this is really good news. And don't you think that was good news for him? I'm, I'm sure that, that, that he was just thrilled to the deepest part of his heart, even though he says, how can this happen? But that was really 
thrilling. So again, I just think they had waited for so long that they probably had assumed this was a no. But it really wasn't a no. It was a, what? It was a slow with a mo, right? It was a slow with a mo. And to me, so what, what the answer to them that God had wasn't no, but it was, I want you to wait. I want you to wait. I am going to answer that, but they have no clue. And not only did he answer it, but he answered it and gave them much more than they ever expected um, in two ways. First, he gets to meet an angel of the Lord face to face, right? Not just an angel of the Lord. He meets Gabriel, one of the chief angels. That's what verse 19 says. I mean, can you imagine that story? Like, hey, we waited 30 years for an answer to prayer, and when we got the answer, guess who delivered it to me? Gabriel, one of the Lord's angels. I mean, that's a pretty big mo, right? Um, I don't know if you've ever watched Brian Regan. He's a pretty funny comedian, and he's really clean. He's a great, he's really funny to watch. And he talked about whenever you're having conversation with people, there's always the guy or the person that says, uh, you'll tell a story like, hey, I had two molar teeth removed. And there's always the person that's like, oh, that's nothing. I had four removed, and all mine were impacted, and the roots were coming out my cheek, you know, and he said, there's always the person that has the better story than everybody else. And he said, wouldn't it be funny the next time that happens that somebody has a better story if in the room was one of the 12 men who walked on the moon? And he said, oh, well, that's nothing. I walked on the moon. I mean, you can never top that story. Um, you should hear him talk about it. It is really hilarious. So that's kind of what Zechariah could do. Somebody could tell me in a really big story, hey, boy, I, we prayed for 10 years and we finally had a prayer answered. And Zechariah could say, well, we prayed 30 and well, Gabriel came and told, <laughs> told me of that answer to prayer. I mean, can you imagine that? Um, but there's even a bigger mo than that. Not just that it was Gabriel, but what's the bigger thing that they had no clue? That their son was the predecessor to the Messiah. He was the one God would send to announce the way. I mean, verses 14 and 17, many will rejoice because of his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will bring many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord. He will go before the Lord in the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Unbeknownst to them, all those years they were praying, and in my mind, probably stopped praying at some point because they thought it was a no, but it was really a slow with a mo that they wouldn't just have a child, their, their child would be the forerunner of the Messiah. Uh, I mean, it's just, when I think about that, that's amazing. The thing is, is the timing just wasn't right. In Galatians 4.4, 4, it says this, when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born of the law. The Messiah would only come at a very set specific time that God knew. He knew the right time. And the predecessor couldn't come until right before Him. So God had a set time for all of this. That's why in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says that He's made everything beautiful in His time. So all along, what they thought was a no was really a slow with a mo. Because God had a very specific timing in mind, and His timing is always best. Waiting prayer is the hardest prayer, I think. Isn't waiting hard? I think it's the hardest part 
of walking with God in a lot of ways. Forty-three times in the Old Testament, people are commanded to wait on the Lord. And I do. I think it's the single hardest thing to do. Too often we want God's gifts and His resources and we want His provision, but we don't want His timing. Right? Somebody has called it the waiting room of life. Who likes sitting in a waiting room? Anybody like sitting in a waiting room? I mean, with the, the 1993 Golf Digest or the 1995 Reader's Digest magazines that's sitting there. I mean, does anybody like being in a waiting room? And isn't that a lot of life, is we're sitting in a waiting room, we're asking God, we're longing deeply for something, but His answer to us is to slow down. I don't think any of us like waiting. It's especially not a strong suit in American society. In our modern culture, we live in a very customized, instantaneous culture where I can get popcorn in three minutes in my microwave, and I can buy something with one click on Amazon and have it at my door in three days. So it's, I think... Waiting is really hard for us. And I think so often our prayers reveal to us that God has a totally different timetable than we do. My primary time frame, like my children, and I'm human too, is I want it when? Now. And God's time frame is rarely now. It's usually later. And that means a wait. I think there's a lot of gifts that come from waiting, just two quick ones. I think waiting, waiting turns us to Him. We talked about this in the idolatry series. It is so easy to long for the gift, for the gift more than the giver, right? Isn't it easy to, to come to love the gift more than the giver? And in waiting prayer and waiting, for, I'm asking for a gift as I, not, as I don't get it. What God is doing is He's directing me, redirecting me to Himself that He's the greater gift to give my attention to Him. So it is a chance um, for intimacy with Him. Jerome Daly says that waiting prayer is an, an invitation to intimacy. That in that waiting prayer, the thing God is really longing for is for me to turn my heart to Him, to walk closer to Him, to get to know Him better, the giver. And waiting is also a part of the process of becoming what God really wants us to be, which is to become more and more like Jesus. Mark Buchanan says, waiting is one of God's primary appointed means for becoming more like Jesus, and its main expression and posture is prayer. And I think a lot of times what we forget, I forget, is that maybe the work God wants to have for me in the waiting is more important than actually the thing I'm waiting for. That maybe the greater gift to me isn't the thing I'm asking for, but it's the way that He forms me in that difficult time of waiting. You see this in the Bible so many times that an individual that God gives a promise to, or He calls to a mission, many times there is years, dozens of years between Him offering the promise or the call to when it actually happens. Because God isn't just wanting to do the mission, but He wants to form and prepare that person to do the mission. So He calls Abraham to become the father of a nation, but before he can become a father of a nation, 25 years later when his son is born, God in that 25 years is forming him into the kind of man who can be a father of a nation. Does that make sense? So many times what God is doing in that time is he's forming us to be the kind of person that can take the gift that we ask for. You know, here's Sammy right here looking down here. Hey, Sammy. You know, Sammy were ask his dad for a Lamborghini tomorrow that he could drive around town, and Sammy's like, what's a Lamborghini? It's a really cool car. Um, oh, he's, 
Like, he's like, I'd never ask for that. But do you think Jason would give it to him? I mean, how old are you, Sammy? Huh? Eight. Eight. Yeah, I said, do you think he'd give it to him? And Sammy's over there doing this, like, there's no way dad's giving me. Because an eight-year-old can't handle a car. Doesn't he have to wait till he has the maturity and the ability to handle it? And I feel like God does that to us so much. He needs to make us into the kind of person that can handle the gift that he wants to give us. So I think the single most activity in waiting is prayer. Um, Mark Buchanan again says, the holy habits of waiting and praying are a single discipline, each buoying up the other. In fact, he says the primary discipline of prayer is waiting. The primary discipline of prayer is waiting. So we are not to engage in weightless prayer, which would be I pray, but then I just give up quickly, and that's what Jason talked about a couple of weeks ago. We, we, ha- we, we have in persevering prayer. We continue to pray, but we also don't engage in prayerless waiting to where we're just waiting, but we're never talking to God. That leads to discouragement and cynicism, but what we're called to live into is prayerful waiting, this combination of waiting prayerfully, trusting God, continuing to ask, but trusting His timing, trusting His answer. Um, And I think the danger in waiting so long to God for an answer from Him is that unbelief can best our belief that we stop waiting, we stop hoping, we stop praying, and we just get on with other things. But that's why Zechariah and his wife encouraged me, because to me they're an example of people who prayed and continue to pray. Um, So don't stop waiting, don't stop praying, because you don't know if it's a no or a slow, in either case, it's the best thing for you. But continue to pray for the thing you long for. Two examples from my, wife, my life. Uh, my parents were not believers and prayed for them for a long time. A long time. I think a little over 30 years I prayed. And I remember especially my mother. Um, it was just before she, she had Parkinson's. It was just before she got really, really bad with her Parkinson's. And I, it was in May, and I'm like, Lord, I'm kind of done praying for that. I've longed and asked you to work in her life to bring you to herself. Nothing's happening. I don't see any movement. Um, and it just discourages me to keep asking you that. So I'm kind of done praying that. And the week I prayed that, I told that to him, like, I kind of want to quit praying for that. There was a new story that Evil Knievel had become a believer. And Evil Knievel was born the same year as my father. My mother was two years later, but it was the same year as my father. And when I read that story, that Evil Knievel, who was born in 34, had become a believer at this time, I'm like, hey, that's the same age as my dad, my parents. Like, if he could come a believer, then there's still hope. And so I re-engaged I said, Lord, sorry about that, and I kept, I re-engaged in praying for her. And not that my praying is the thing that tipped, tipped it, but about a month later, I got a call from my, who had been my youth pastor, who was now the pastor in Hayes, and he said, your mom called me last night, had me come over, and said, she didn't know where she'd spend eternity, and she wanted to talk. And that came a month after I had almost quit praying for that. So, Don't give up praying. Prayer and waiting go together. The other would be 
you know, how Pat and I wanted a child, just like Zechariah and Elizabeth. And we prayed and prayed and prayed. And, you know, again, when you pray for something like that, it's a daily prayer, right? And prayed and prayed and prayed. We were in a small group with the Gimples and the Waymans and the Kitchens and several other families. And everybody's praying for us to have a child. And while we're praying for us to have a child, everybody in the group kept getting pregnant. Now, not the Gimples, um, but I remember the Waymans, the Kitchens. It seemed like there was another couple. And it's like, hey, Lord, you're, you're hearing the prayer, but it's like we, we, meant, it, we meant it for us. And it... You know, it, it, I remember somebody came to the group one day and they a little bit sheepishly said, hey, we have something to announce, you know, we're pregnant, you know, because they knew we had been praying so hard and for so long. And finally, after seven years, God, when we had kind of given up hope in some ways and we're starting to figure out what's going on, and, but Pat became pregnant. We had Carissa and, you know, realized after the fact that if, if he had given her to us, because we had been starting a ministry in 90, she was born in 93, if he had given to her to us before we moved to Emporia at the beginning of that ministry, it would have been so, so hard to do a startup ministry with a newborn, and we really realized later, Lord, your timing was perfect. So, um, I know what that feels like. I mean, we all know what that feels like to wait, but let's wait prayerfully and let's wait um, with trust. Um, because God, I've heard this and I have found it and I truly believe it, God is rarely early, but He's never late. Rarely early. And the longer I've lived, even when I'm waiting, when you've had a lot of experience with the Lord, and we've had, Pat and I, we've had a lot of that, you get to where you don't worry so much, right? And frequently you're like, Lord, it's not when I want it done, but I really believe you're going to come through at the right time. And we've found so often that he has done that. Kind of like Gandalf, a wizard is never early and never late. He arrives precisely when he intends to. And that's what God is like. He's never early, never late. He arrives and answers precisely when he intends. So, and again, Jesus to me is a model of this. Um, because not only has Jesus experienced a no to a prayer. Do you know Jesus has experienced a slow to a prayer? Do you know that? Do you know that Jesus is still waiting for an answer to a prayer of His? Because in Matthew 6, we're told that His prayer was this, Our Father who art in heaven, may Your name be honored as holy. May Your kingdom come and Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Has that prayer been answered yet? 2,000 years later, He's still Himself waiting for the Father to say, Son, it's time to go and restore this world, and for the kingdom to come, and my will to finally be done. So even Jesus himself has been waiting for an answer to that prayer for 2,000 years. If he can wait for 2,000 years, you think I can wait for several or many years? And again, that I can even go to him in prayer and say, Lord Jesus, you, the one who not only knows what it's like to get a no, but you know what it's like to have a slow, you know, give me your grace and strength to trust you in this time. So, just in all of us for our waiting prayer. Um, as I've been saying a lot in this series, if you can't see God's hand, trust His heart because He has a Father's heart. Or as Corey Ten Boom said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And we're going to close with some worship related to waiting and trust. Um, as we get ready to do that, I'm just curious, anybody here in waiting prayer right now? 
asking for something, and you've asked and asked and asked and still don't have an answer? Anybody willing to raise their hand? Who's, who's in a waiting prayer right now? Okay, we're going to pray for you at the end, and can we just all stand and join with the worship team and give praise to our Lord? Amen. Isn't it great we have a Father who is good and who we can trust, who is faithful, that even in the midst of the no or the slow, when we just don't even know what the answer is, that we can trust His heart. Would you finish? I'd like you to pray a prayer with me. Um, it is an ancient prayer, and I ran into it this week. I pray one of these a day, and this happened to be for July 6th. So would you join me in praying this? Oh, Lord, you know what is best for me. Let this or that be done as you please. Give what you will, how much you will, and when you will. So, Father, I pray for all of us that we would be people who long for what you have for us because you do know what's best. So just give what you will, how much you will, and, Lord, give it when you will. And for all of us who are here today who are waiting we don't even know if it's a no or a slow, but we're just in this process of waiting and we're longing for something. Help us to be faithful and to persevere in prayer, in prayer and to keep our trust and our hope and our eyes fixed upon you, not upon the thing we want, but upon you. So help us to be steady and trusting in you, knowing that you are faithful and that your mercies are new every morning. And we pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who knows what it's like to wait in prayer. We pray in his name. Amen. So, as always, you are sent. You are sent at seven to the baptism out at the Anlikers house and sent to go represent Jesus in the community. So, bless you guys.